0: Hello and welcome. I'm glad you're here. My name is Richie Thomas. I am excited for you to relax and enjoy some of the greatest of all time speeches. Hello and welcome. Today we're going to be going over some of the speeches and pursuits of Antonio Vieira and what how he, where he actually stood on the side of history and, and, and what it was that he stood for, and why it was important to, for him to have a voice in his time. There's a lot of things you could talk about with him, but I thought it would be good to just go over some of the things that he might be well known for. So, he was a significant person born in Lisbon, just near Portugal. His parents took him to Bahia, Brazil, and that's where he was educated. It was here that he decided to take vows as a Jesuit, which is basically a member of the Roman Catholic Church, dedicated to educational work and things of that nature, Um, which is significant because you have to remember the power and the influence that the church had at that time uh, with kings, queens, and various countries. He was known to be an amazing orator and a literary great. This is how he was described by many and his talents saw a mix with some of the most world-renowned people of his time. For example, some, things, some key things to probably read to you, when the revolution of 1640 placed John IV on the throne of Portugal, Brazil gave uh, him their allegiance, and Vieira was chosen to accompany the Viceroy's son to Lisbon to congratulate the new king. So it was him that was sent. And it was his talents and attitude for these for affairs which impressed John so favor, favorably that the king appointed him to tutor Don Pedro, who was a royal preacher and a member a member of the royal council at that time. So no small feat. Um, he had the gift of the gab and was able to convey messages very well that it impressed the king. Uh, he unda- he denounces unchristian society which discriminated against new Christians, or in other words. Other faiths, Muslims, Jewish converts, etc., and he called for the reform of the procedure of the Inquisition and the admission of Jewish and foreign traders uh, with guarantees for their security from religious persecution. So it's a time of great religious awakening, but obviously with that comes arguments and attacks based on what you believe. Um, and so he wanted to make sure people were prote- were protected. In uh, 1647, Vieira began his career as a diplomat, and uh, this led him on. All sorts of journeys throughout England, France, Netherlands, and Italy, to name a few. And come 1654, he uh, set sail for Lisbon to plead the cause of the Indians in, from Brazil. And in April 1655, he obtained from the king a series of decrees which placed the missions under the Society of Jesus, which was a group which basically you know, prohibited the enslavement of natives um, in certain cases. So this guy counseled kings and sat in royal courts and counseled popes and had had influence and was well known and you know he's been honored you can find his face on stamps in brazil and portugal honoring him so a significant personality of his time and if i was to give a he, he has a number of speeches which have been spoken about um but the backdrop to this one was that the uh the Portuguese tobacco farmers were struggling financially. Then there was some troubles there uh, amongst other farmers and essentially they couldn't afford African slaves. So they started just taking the local Indians Um, and, you know, this didn't sit well uh, with Antonio. So he, none of it really sat well with him when it came to slavery. And so he gave the following impassioned speech. So, I think we'll just dive right into it. You kind of get a bit of a feel of the the environment. Um, So um, let's just dive in. At what a different price the devil today buys souls compared to what he offered for them previously. There is no market in the world where the devil can get them more cheaply than right here in our own land. In the gospel, he offered all the kingdoms of the world for one soul. In Maranhal, the devil does not need to offer one-tenth as much for all the souls. It is not necessary to offer worlds nor kingdoms. It is not necessary to offer cities nor towns nor villages. All he has to do is offer a couple of Tapuya Indians, and at once he is adored on both knees. I'll keep going, but I can't help but stop and give commentary on this speech because... Um, you know, he starts off pretty, aggre- like, not aggressively, but strong, sharp. And essentially, I mean, I don't know if you've ever sold something of value um, or if you've had and you've done it for too cheap and how you feel afterwards, if it's been something has been completely undervalued or, you know, how would you feel if your most treasured possession was taken and given away to a person not of your choosing? You know, maybe it's your journals or maybe it's letters received or photos of old or of loved ones who are no longer with you. Maybe it's expensive jewels or heirlooms, cars, whatever it is. That's the message. You have undersold your fellow man, and by so doing, you have undersold, undersold yourself. And, and what for? For what? That's his message right off the bat. We'll keep going. What a cheap market, an Indian for a soul. That Indian will be your slave for a few days that he lives, and your soul will be a slave for eternity. As long as God is God, this is the contract that the devil makes with you. Not only do you accept it, but you pay him money on top of it. Do you know, Christians, do you know nobles and people of Maddenhal? What is the fast which God requires of you this Lent? It is that you loosen the bands of injustice and that you set those free whom you hold captives and whom you oppress. These are the sins of Maddenhal. These are what God commands me to announce. Show my people their transgression. Christians, God commands me to to undeceive you, and I undeceive you on the part of God. You are all in mortal sin. You are all living and dying in a state of condemnation, and you are all going straight to hell. Many are already there, and you will also soon be there with them, except you change your lives. It's, uh, again, just to, to pause there, he come, he's coming on extremely sharp. And it's interesting because essentially what he's saying is, is that everybody's at fault here and, you know, there's not a few people that are at fault, but essentially he's saying, you know, oh, we'll I'll carry on. Um, Every man who holds another unjustly in servitude, being able to release him is certainly in a state of condemnation. All men. Or almost all men in man hold others unjustly in servitude. All therefore, or almost all, are in a state of condemnation. You will tell me that even if it were thus, they did not think of it nor know it, and that their good faith would save them. I deny it. They ought to have thought of it and to have known it. Some are condemned for certainty, others for doubt, others for ignorance." They who are certain are condemned for not making restitution. They who are in doubt are condemned for not examining. They who are in ignorance are condemned for not knowing what it was their duty to know. Yeah, okay. So um, he he removes any excuse. You can't say, oh, I have a faith in something, and that, that erases all the things that you know and you're conscious to be wrong or what you should be doing. You can't have your, uh, the things, you can't use omission, your own omission for making an effort and figuring things out as an excuse. It's really interesting because he says everybody's at fault. And I don't know if you've ever, you know, if, if you've ever gone against an internet mob and what that's like, for example, in our day, you know, I mean, in other words, why are you careful with what you say on social media? Why are you careful? Um, cancel culture destroys people's reputations not just yours but your family's too and this is what he faces by sharing these views no one wants to be corrected especially if everyone is doing what they know is wrong Uh, they are already on the defensive before he says he, he they would already know this probably deep down and a lot of them obviously that it was wrong and he's on the other side telling them it's wrong and he's on the other side of the world on his own, probably in a land that's not as lawful as you and I enjoy. So he's putting himself in harm's way by saying these things. I think we can relate and and how we when we try to say something that people don't agree with. Let's carry on. Oh, if these graves could open and some of those who have died in the miserable state might appear among us, how certain it is that you would read this truth clearly by the light of their devouring flames. Would you know why God does not permit them to appear to you? For the reason which Abraham gave to the rich man when he besought that Lazarus might be sent to his brethren. They have Moses and the prophets. It is not necessary that one should come from hell to tell them the truth. Just to cut there in case you're unfamiliar with that, essentially, well, there's a, uh, the main principle here. He, he's not talking it. The, the principle isn't the, the Bible scripture. The principle, the main point is the actual principle itself. So, um, what he's really saying is it's time to correct things. You can't wait uh, and die and expect this to be okay. This life is now the time to correct it. No angel's going to come from heaven and tell you it's wrong. No one of the dead are going to pop out of the grave and tell you that this is wrong. You can't ask for that either. You can't say, well, I didn't know. And can you please, if there was a sign, I would stop it. You have to know. You've got, in other words, you have Moses and the prophets of old. Or in other words, you have Antonio there right in front of you telling you it's wrong and the slaves themselves. You should know. We'll carry on. Um, My brethren, if there be any who doubt upon this matter, here are the laws. Here are the lawyers. Let the question be asked. You have three religious orders in the state and among them so many subjects of such virtue and such learning. Ask them. Examine the matter. Inform yourselves, but religious orders are not necessary. Go to Turkey, go to hell, for there can neither be a Turk, so be turked in Turkey, nor devil, so be deviled in hell, as to affirm that a free man may be a slave. But you will say to me, this people, this country, this government cannot be supported without Indians. Who is to bring us a pitcher of water or or a bundle of wood? Who is to plant a manioc? Must our wives do it? Must our children do it? In the first place, as you will presently see, these are not the straits in which I would place you. But if if necessity and conscience require it, then I reply, yes. And I repeat it, yes, you and your wives and your children ought to do it. We ought to support ourselves with our own hands. For better is it to be supported by the sweat of one's brow than by another's blood. He's really on fire. He's really on fire. He, he's not letting them off the leash at all. Um, if, you know, and one of the lines is you can't affirm that a free man can be a slave. I mean, how are you free if you're enslaved? It doesn't, make, it doesn't add up. And then the question is, uh, you know, the question is asked, am I supposed to get my wife and kids to do all this work? <laughs> and uh, the answer is yes, you do it. Of course you do it. Better to be supported by the sweat of one's brow than by the blood of someone else. And isn't that true? Isn't that true? Um, You wonder how much pain would be uh, avoided if people were willing to to pay by their own sweat. We'll carry on. O you riches of mud and hell, what if these mantles and cloaks were to be wrung? They would drip blood. Let us give this remedy to the country in which we live. Let us give this honour to the Portuguese nation. Let us give this example to Christendom. Let us give this fame to the world. Let the world know. Let the heretics and the heathen know that God was not deceived when he chose the Portuguese for conquerors and preachers of his holy name. Let the world know that there is still truth that there is still the fear of God, that there is still a soul, that there is still a conscience, and that interest is not the absolute and universal Lord of all. End speech. All right. Well, there's excellent imagery in the beginning of those paragraphs. I mean, you know when, you, when it rains, it pours down rain, and you come into your house and you've got to get the water out of your clothes. So you take off your shirt and you twist the clothes to get the water out, you know, to get the last drop. You, it's, then it's wrung out. And imagine if you did that and instead of rainwater pouring out, there was blood pouring out of the clothing. Blood, thick red blood. So what would you do? What would you do if you came in and wrung your clothes and there was blood pouring everywhere? you probably look in the mirror and try to see well, what's going on. Have I got a cut on my back? What's happened? Have you, has something happened that you haven't seen? You would look to fix the problem, give yourself some um, protection and, and um, see a doctor or whatever's needed. And that's the imagery. That's what's happening in the country, that there needs to be healing. And then he does a rally, those last paragraphs. In other words, let's prove we're worthy of our position because we're in a, a position of power and authority you know we have conscience and let's let's not make it that that interest and self-interest is our only universal truth that there's more to life than just our own self-interest and um and speech i um i you know i enjoy learning about this the speech and the whole story. And there's a lot to learn still from a pure history point of view. Um, you know, Antonio was kicked out of Brazil for his activism. You know, he 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 wasn't allowed back for 20 odd years. I mean, you think about it, everyone's there leaning on slavery to build the society. And this guy comes in and tells them it's wrong. And all of a sudden they feel vulnerable and scared and feared and all for all the reasons, you know, none of the good and so he's the one that's punished. That's the irony. It's him. It doesn't matter if it's true. it matters that it hurt who, who's impacted. Um, eventually, he comes back and he dies in Brazil. That's where he, after the 20 years he manages to come back and you get a sense that he loves the country and the people there. And as I'm reading this, I, I ask myself a number of questions, but I mean, aren't we all stewards over something, right? you know maybe you're a steward over a business or maybe you're you have a stewardship over family children um, maybe just a, maybe it's a pet or maybe it's just stewardship over yourself but with that stewardship as a responsibility to demonstrate it wasn't a mistake to make you that steward that you have the capacity to be better than simply serving your own self-interest in this life um that we have a conscious conscience and that we can prosper that it won't be just um, all about pleasure and gain if I had to leave you with one of the quotes um, you know of um, Antonio Vieira I would this is a quote that I quite enjoyed of his and it says we are what we do what we don't do doesn't exist therefore we only exist on days when we do. On the days when we don't do, we simply endure. A simple little quote, but I, um, it rings true to me, you know. You, if you're not doing anything of of anything of worth, then you're nothing. You You are what you do. That is really what shows who you are. And when you do nothing, you simply are nothing. You just endure what other people do. So I would just say to that, um, it's a good opportunity for us to go out and do whatever that is. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review or subscribe depending on what you're listening to. Um, I, again, really loved um, going over this speech. I hope you did too. Um, Until next time, take care.